everybody. This is Huge Pop from Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. Next to me is a Reek Reek. And tonight's guest from the CWF, he calls himself the APOC. He's been with many, many uh, promotions throughout the, the country. NWA, um, T- TXO, CWF, CCW, the main a few. His finisher is the end of times. I think I got that right. End of, end days. of days. End of days. Um, welcome to our show. APOC Adam Asher, how you doing? I am fantastic. It's an honor and a pleasure to be a part of this podcast. And uh, thank you guys so much for putting all of your time and your energy into helping spread the, the incredible, amazing news and, and, and history of the CWF, Christian Wrestling Federation. Uh, we, are, we are arguably, and I think historically, you could probably, probably back this up, we're the longest running independent promotion in, in history, the United States for sure. But I, I think you'd be challenged to find any other company around the world outside of the WWE. Um, and prior prior to that, maybe WWF um, that's been running for 23 solid years without breaking, without without taking a 10-year hiatus um, or anything like that. So it is, uh, it's my pleasure. And thank you, for, uh, thank you for all the hard work you guys are doing. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Thank it's you. our honor to have you on the show. So um, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to have Rico start the show up. you have any questions for our guests? Oh, yeah. So actually, I was very curious, man. How did you even come up with the name Apocalypse? Where did that come from? <laughs> well, it did not come from a comic book. I can tell you that. <laughs> I, I was not a comic book fan. I, I love the comic book movies. But um, uh, Robin stepped in right before we were in the back office. And we were driving to the first show, the first ever official CWF show, May 10th of 2000. And they had told us to, to come up with a good guy name, a face name, and a, and a bad guy name or a heel name. And my good guy name, and I've, I've, I've not been a face until the last probably 10 or 12 years of my 23-year career. And that's only because I'm like this, this lone survivor. You know, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the guy that now all of the grown adults who have children and bring their kids to the show, they're like, man, I remember booing this guy when I was your age, <laughs> which is flattering, but it also kind of sucks sometimes. But um, my good guy name was Dennis the Minister, because my real name is Dennis, um, spelled with like menace, like menace to society. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, he could be a good guy, he could be a bad guy, and nobody liked it. Nobody to this day, they still don't like it. I still think it was pretty creative, but um, I was just thinking of like, what's the worst thing in the world? Like, what's the scariest thing in life? And the apocalypse is it the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. The, the book of the revelations. Um, and so I thought apocalypse, and then I had the, the dubious task of figuring out how to spell apocalypse because I'm not a I'm not a world class speller, and I learned a few things. One, the word apocalypse does not appear in the Bible, <laughs> um, despite you know folk- folklore. But uh, I finally figured out, and I found it. It's A P O C A L Y P S E. So I was like, man, we might sign autographs. I got to sign this name, and so I, for like an hour on the in the car driving to the show, I was A P O C A L Y P S C A P O C A L Y, and I just drilled it into my brain. Um, but I just, I thought, man, what's scarier than the end of the world? Nothing. Um, and then over time, it, you know, kind of caught on. And then over time, as I, I transitioned to babyface a little bit, um, apocalypse is really hard to chant. So it shortened to APOC plus. I used to have my name on the butt of my shorts. And apocalypse is a really long name. And back then, my butt was way smaller than it is now. <laughs> so I can only put APOC. 
And that's where APOC came from. All right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a great story. That's interesting right there. Um, I got to say, this our guest tonight, um, APOC, he is the first member of CWF, the longest running member of CWF, over 20, what, 23 years now, correct? Yeah, this is um, our 23rd year. Yep. That is amazing that you've been with them from the start to, to now. That's So uh, that's awesome. So before that, what were your wrestling experiences like growing up? Like, who did you watch? How What did you watch? As a fan, so I, I love telling the story because it, it brings my my the memory of my my deceased grandmother back into into my mind. But uh, when I was about three or four, the story, right? I mean, obviously, I don't remember the story, but the story that got told at family, you know, dinners and reunions and stuff like that was that when I was three or four years old, my grandmother asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I grew up in southeastern Colorado, and I wanted to play pro football for the Denver Broncos. Until I either got hurt or I was forced to retire because I'm a I'm a pragmatist, um, and then I was going to become a professional wrestler. And I played football all the way through college. I played Division One football. Um, I finished my football career in Division Three at Maryland Baylor um, in Temple, which is like a six-time national champion now. Um, but I I realized that once I stopped growing at a six foot, <laughs> that uh, the NFL was probably not in my future. And so while I was finishing up playing football at Maryland Baylor, I decided that I was going to find a wrestling school. And I'd, I'd narrowed it down to a few. Shawn Michaels had just retired his first time. He had just opened his school in San Antonio. And um, I missed the cutoff for the very first school that had Spanky and, and, and all those guys that went on to, to sign contracts and have a pretty good career in the WWF, uh, WWE. Um, but, uh, I, I narrowed it down. I was either going to go to Florida. I was going to, excuse me. I was going to go to San Antonio and through a friend's friends, cousins, girlfriends, uncles, brothers, sisters, aunt heard about this crazy guy in Dallas, Texas named Rob Vaughn. that was going to start a, a wrestling company, but it was going to be a different kind of wrestling company. It was going to be more of akin to the power team or team impact. The guys that go around and do the feats of strength, tear the phone books and mm-hmm. bring hats and bend the rebar and then share the gospel. And it was at the time I was a youth minister in college and in temple. And, uh, there were two things that I loved. I loved ministry and I loved professional wrestling. When I was little, we had three channels. So my, unlike Tim storm and some of the others to tell you cool stories about watching mid South at 11 and then world-class at one. And then, you know, Mississippi pro wrestling at three, I had WrestleMania. I, I had WWF, Saturday night main event. That was that was the only thing I had access to as a kid. So I grew up taking <laughs> my saying my prayers and doing my workouts and eat right, not because God told me to or my parents told me to, but because Hulk Hogan told me to. Uh, and uh, so I, I grew up very, you know, kind of sheltered in the wrestling world because all I had was WWF at the time. But um, as I got older, I started learning about Japanese wrestling and especially as I got into, into wrestling after meeting, I came up to, sorry, I kind of converged the story there, but uh, I drove to Dallas and I met, I had lunch with Rob Vaughn and uh, he agreed to let me train for free. Cause I had no money. I was a poor broke college student. If I wrestled for free and I was like, done, <laughs> that, that sounds like a great trade-off. Um, but uh, that's, it's kind of the, the beginning, the middle and the end all jumbled up. But um Started to come up to Dallas three or four times a week, two hours, 
each way and uh, training. And 23 years later, I'm still doing it. Uh, I've, I've been very blessed and very fortunate. Um, I've never signed any big contracts. I haven't made a ton of money doing this, but I don't, I don't lose money. That's my goal. <laughs> right. If I go to a show, if I come back with at least 10 bucks in my pocket, I call that a win. But I don't, I don't wrestle because of money. I wrestle because I love it. And I love the CWF because it literally is the two things that I love more than anything in the world. That's presenting the gospel, sharing the gospel, being a positive role model, a positive impact for children and adults. Mm-hmm. And, oh, by the way, I get to wrestle at the same time. So it's really, I mean, it was really the combination of the two that was perfect. Great trade-off. Best of both worlds right there. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, I I saw one of your shirts, and I was like, that has to be the Castle Grayskull. That has (laughs) to be the Castle Grayskull. So was that, like, was that purposely put there? Yes. Yeah. And uh, my my artist flipped the the towers so that it wasn't copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, that that is my most popular APOC shirt, and it is Castle Grey Skull. I just I, I saw that immediately. Caught because I'm a huge He Man fan. I was like, wait a minute, man, that <laughs> that looks so familiar. Right I just there. you know back the back a few years ago, probably ten years ago, like graphic tees were like the rage, and mm-hmm. I just I, I I'm a very creative person in my mind, but I'm not artistic. I can't. I'm more autistic than I am artistic, and. Um, <laughs> I can't draw, but if I could find somebody that I could express my thought to and they can interpret it the same way that I saw it. And that's, I, I have a great guy here in Dallas that does my t-shirts and I just explained it to him and he, he freehand it and he sent me the picture. I was like, that is literally what I had in my head. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's my favorite shirt so far, but, uh, but yeah, it's my best selling shirt. You get that pro wrestling tees.com. <laughs> No, <laughs> no I, I never, uh, I never partner up with them. I don't know why, but um, if you come to a show um, or if you, you know, uh, reach out to me in different ways to see that we have for whatever, right. I can get you a shirt. But all right, cool, cool, that's awesome stuff. Well, there, there is that plan hopefully in the future for us. Yes, our plan <laughs> is in twenty twenty four to come down hopefully December and do color commentary for your uh, cage match, I think. <laughs> Heck yeah. That's, that's always an interesting show. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you've had interactions with Les Thatcher and um, Lance Archer. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Tim and I, we, we, we didn't split off from CWF, but we got an opportunity to wrestle for a company here in Arlington called PCW professional championship wrestling. And they were on UPN 21 for almost 10 years. And we became a mainstay for them. We were um, we were put into a faction called the Dark Circle. And back then, his name was Shadow. Uh, but Lance Archer was Shadow. He was the leader. And uh, Tim and I were the muscle. And then we had our lackey, Damien. And uh, we, we had great success there. We were multiple-time tag champions. Um, eventually, they wanted to do something different with Shadow. Uh, plus he was starting to get some notoriety, you know, TNA and things like that. And so we kicked him out of the group and we took over, um, and we, uh, dominated Texas wrestling for almost 10 years. Uh, Tim, Tim became the PCW heavyweight champion. I was their light heavyweight champion at one time, <laughs> many years ago, many pounds ago. Uh, but I think, I think we held their tag titles probably 15, 16 times. Um, I am currently still the PCW heavyweight champion. 
Um, unfortunately, my championship run um, ended the company, but uh, it, it wasn't because of me. But the owners went a different direction. Now they do MMA. Uh, they do what's called uh, TKO uh, Productions, and they, they've, mm -hmm. they've been very successful here locally uh, running MMA shows. But, uh, but, yeah, that was our introduction to, to Shadow Lance, Vance, uh, whatever you want to call him, uh, the American Nightmare. Uh, but he was uh, very tall, very gangly, but uh, he went over to Japan and found his voice is what I call it. He found his character. He found who he really was. And, uh, man, he has had incredible success. I'm I'm very excited. I'm, 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 I'm you know, I, li I like to think I had a little bit to do with it. I know for a fact Tim and I did uh, with him becoming who he is, and it's awesome to see him succeed like that. And Teddy Long uh, worked for a company. We had a company here a couple of years ago called SWE Southwest Wrestling. Uh, SWE Southwest Wrestling entertainment. I, I don't know what it stood for, but, uh, but he, he came on and was a part of it along with James Beard, uh, the world famous, uh, sportatorium referee. Um, literally the man who wrote the book on wrestling in Japan. Um, he wrote down every book or every name, uh, every wrestling hold, every wrestling move, all the language, and they translated it into Japan so that the, the kids, the, the students in Japan could, could communicate. Um, and he literally wrote the book on wrestling uh, but uh, yeah, I've had several interactions. My first interaction with Teddy Long was at WWE back, you know, extra talent. Um, that story's a little funny, but it's probably uh, probably not rated for this show. <laughs> I mean, if you're comfortable telling it, I, I, not, I mean, it's up to you. Well, I'll just put it this way. There was another gentleman that wrestled that was a part of our, our faction, the Dark Circle, who uh, dabbled in the non-pharmaceutical um natural smoke uh okay. you know he he, right. he, okay. he he liked weed and uh unfortunately he and i looked almost identical at the time we had long black hair with red highlights we were both you know built we were both in shape and and uh teddy was having a rough day and he he was uh he was looking for the hookup but he was talking to the wrong guy. And after I realized he was talking to the wrong guy, I was like, Oh no, you want to talk to him. <laughs> and, and Teddy very politely said, all right. Um, uh, what's Teddy's, uh, oh, dang it. Play, what does he call everybody? Uh, uh player. He was, like, he was like, all right, player, player. Just so we're cool. Is on DL, right? And I was like, yes, sir. Teddy. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't, I don't smoke weed. I never have. I don't like it. Nope. I don't necessarily dog those that do, but it's just not my thing. Thank you. <laughs> so, so obviously you've been doing this for a while and it, it, I believe I'm correct. You have a match this Saturday against Angel. Angel Camacho. Yes. yes. For uh, so, Bayou Independent Wrestling, Josh Newell. Mm -hmm. one, of, one of, if not the best independent promoters in the country, um, outside the CWF, CWF, I put in a whole different category when it comes to wrestling, but, uh, Josh Newell is probably the best actual legitimate promoter booker, um, that's out there. He's, he's 100% professional and, uh, he, he, he puts butts in the seat and it's, it's, it's a pleasure to work for him. But yeah, I have a, I have my final opportunity to win, win back my Southern mm -hmm. heritage heavyweight championship belt that angel stole from me. <laughs> um, along with three of his goons after they broke my arm. Um, 
earlier in the night. So uh, as it's a big match coming up in uh, Mississippi this weekend. So what's the guy's last name? Josh who? Josh Newell. Newell. Um, yeah. And what promotion? Bayou Independent Wrestling. B I W. B I W. So, well, what I was going to ask you was, uh, I mean, I believe you're going to win, but if there's a chance you don't win, what is the future for APOC? Uh, I mean, specifically BIW, um, I, I was their champion for almost three years and, and we set attendance records and, and I, I take pride in being a champion. You know, I, I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a belt mark. Um, so I don't, I don't politic for them. I don't, I don't carry them around with me 24 seven when I wait, when I win one, but I, I take great pride in that because to me, when a, when a company chooses to put a title on you, no matter what, what title it is, whether it's a cruiserweight tag team, um, world, you know, heavyweight championship, whatever it is, that means that they have some level of faith and, and, and belief in you as a person and as a wrestler and, and as a talent and the old school wrestling, if you put butts in the seat, you got elevated on the card and, and I, I'm very much old school in my brain and how I, how I view wrestling. Um, and while I was the champion, we, we set some attendance records, especially coming out of COVID and, mm-hmm. and it really was kind of that transition transition period where we were just, just trying to get people to get out of their, out of the houses and come back and, and, you know, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I don't care. But, um, and so it was really, it was an honor to be their champion during that time frame. Uh, one of the things that's unique about Josh is Josh books out a year in advance. Like I have all of my 2024 dates for BIW already in my calendar wow. and he has a plan and he has a, he has uh he has somewhere he's going right with all of us. Um, I, I believe from what I've been told that, that I, well, that, that's going to sound predetermined. I have a hundred percent confidence in myself that I will win. But if not, um, I will I will play whatever role is needed in BIW. Um, he has some incredible young talent that that needs some mentoring and and just just little nuances in in their wrestling and in their style and in their performance and in their ability to connect with the fans. And if yeah. I've learned anything in 23 years, <laughs> is how to connect with the fans. Um, and so, no matter what role he presents me, I, I will. I will take it, and I, I, I believe the same as uh, Dusty Rhodes. You can put me in the yellow polka dots, and I'm gonna make it work. So, whatever, whatever Josh asks of me, um, that's what I'll do. Now, if I remember correctly, didn't you have you were champion? What was it? Over 600 days, right? Singles champ, yeah. heavyweight champ. Yep. Man, that's awesome, right there. That's <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you. So again, I, I take great pride in that. So you've had many different kinds of matches. Um, I also noticed that you had a hair versus career match against Steve Anthony. Yep. And a dog collar match against Jeremiah. Yeah. yeah. You uh, touched on those matches um, a little bit on what, how, how did that shape your career? How was it new? Was it early on in your career? How did that shape in your career? No. <clears throat> You know, one of the matches that, that did shape my career was a match with uh, Necro Butcher um, from the movie The Wrestler. He's he's a real wrestler. He started here in Dallas, NWA uh, Southwest, I think. Um, that one was almost 15 years ago. And that almost cost me my marriage, to be honest with you. <laughs> oh. um, 
because uh, driving back from a show in Arkansas for uh, Matt Riviera for a TCW, um, uh, I don't know what that TCW stood for either, but um, he ran, he was on TV for a while um, in the Arkansas area. Tim was a big, Tim Storm was a big champion for him, but coming back and phone rang, I recognized the number and I answered it. And uh, they were like, uh, we're bringing in Necro, but we can't find anybody that's, that's brave enough to wrestle him. Will you work him? And and I'd met Necro early on in my career, 20, 20 plus years ago, um, before he was Necro Butcher. <laughs> you know, he was just a independent wrestler trying to make his way. And uh, I threw out a huge number. I said, well, I'll do it, but you, I'm going to have to get paid X amount. And it was a giant number. And, and giant being a little bit relative, it was in the hundreds, right? I mean, it's not thousands or hundreds of thousands or anything like that, but it was, it was more than a few bills. And I hung up the phone and my wife slapped me in the arm and said, I know who that guy is. You're not wrestling him. She just seen the movie. Um, and I, and I said, I said, do you hear the number that I just said? There's no way. And God's green. Ding. And I had my old razor flip phone and <laughs> she was like, do you dare answer it? And I was like, uh, I have to hello. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, the, the booker said, the promoter said yes. And I said, okay, send me the details. Click. <laughs> and, uh, and my wife spent the next four hours of our trip home staring out the window of the passenger side of the truck. But um, that match was one of those matches that, that really did kind of change things. Um, I'm, I'm not a hardcore wrestler. I, I bled once in a match in PCW. I got kicked in my ear, split my ear open on the backside from the top to the bottom. And there's a lot of blood in your ear. I didn't know that. But by the end of the match, I was covered in blood. And uh, the booker at that time said, oh, I didn't know you would bleed. And I was like, well, I didn't do it on purpose. And I spent the next two years doing like first blood, beyond blood, <laughs> beyond, beyond blood. And, you know, and I'm like, I never, I did some death matches, but I, I don't do thumbtacks and I don't do light tubes, but I'll slam you in all the thumbtacks and smash all the light tubes over you want. I'm just, you're just not going to do it to me, but that match with Necro Butcher was one of those matches where halfway through the match, um, I looked over and my wife was ringside taking pictures. And I knew that she knew that I was in control, you know, and that, um, that I was, you know, that I was in charge of me, you know, I'm not, I wasn't necessarily in charge of him, but I was in charge of me. And uh, it's one of those inf infamous matches that just rotates on the internet. But um, Steve Anthony in my opinion, is probably the greatest unsigned independent wrestler in the history, in modern history, at least the last 20 or 30 years. He was a phenomenal talent. Um, he was the athleticism of AJ Styles, mm -hmm. um, but taller, bigger. So he could, he could brawl with the big ones and he could technical wrestle you into the ground. Um, so my matches with Steve, Steve is who I beat to, to, to win the BIW um, heavyweight title from, and, uh, to this day, I, I hold him in, in, in the top echelon of people that I've, I've had the fortunate pleasure to wrestle with. Um, that one was a big one because that was, he was a great opponent because the fans literally hated him, <laughs> literally nice. hated him. I'm an eight, seven year old women hitting him with their walkers and trying to get him <laughs> off of me while he was just pummeling me to the ground. Um, Jeremiah is an enigma, man. That dude, that dude can do a standing moonsault. He can do a springboard moonsault. He's very athletic for being a very large guy. Uh, but we had that dog collar match, and we went all over Brookhaven 
Mississippi, which is where I'm very, very, I'm the most popular as a, as a, as a singular wrestler, Brookhaven. I call Brookhaven my second home because the fans are rabid there and they, they love them some APOC, but uh, we went all over that building and there's, it's not still there, but there, there are blood prints uh, all over that building. And the match ended with the collars coming off the canvas and the padding coming off and us finishing the match on the wood. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he took the end of days, which is a death Valley driver. So up on my shoulders, throw them up, drop them right down on their head. Um, that was from the top rope onto the wood. And that was how that match ended. And that, that match solidified me as a crowd favorite in Brookhaven. Um, in another match with, with um, Steve Anthony, I ruptured my orbital socket, <laughs> which is a terrible injury that I, I didn't know it was as bad as it was at the time. But I got kicked in the eye and it blew the bottom wall of my orbital socket out. So your skull is, is designed so the top of your orbital socket is thick bone, right, to protect your, your mm -hmm. head and your brain right. and your eye. But the bottom is very thin and the inside wall is very thin. And I was told there were three options, like three things could have happened when I got kicked. Uh, my eyeball could have exploded, which is what I actually thought happened. Um, I could blow out the in internal wall. Or I could blow out the bottom wall. And what happened is it blew out the bottom wall of my orbital socket into my sinus cavities. And it's just like razor wire. And it just shredded my sinus cavities. And and I, I, I lost a lot of blood. I lost... A, a pint of blood wow. um, in, a, in a matter of uh, literally a few minutes um, and uh, ended up having a, I didn't have surgery, but it was very, very close. Like I almost lost my eye um, in that match, but that was also in Brookhaven and just a pure amount of bloodshed <laughs> and uh, accidental first and foremost. But, um, but yeah, that, that Jeremiah match with the dog collar kind of, kind of solidified the fact that that I was their go-to. Uh, I won't stop. I won't quit. Uh, I never have. I've never submitted in a match. And uh, I don't say that to brag. I just – I'd rather you break my arm and see what happens after that than, <laughs> than, than to quit, <laughs> uh, which they did. I mean, uh, Camacho and Jeremiah and Southern Royalty broke my arm earlier in that night. Um, it was a hairline fracture, but they, they, they did fracture it. I came back and I tried to – I tried to defend – you know, maybe foolishly, but that's how I lost the title. So it's it's a whirlwind of a crazy world, man. Yeah, that end of days on that when you pulled the mat up and everything, I was, I was like, man, that was awesome right there. <laughs> I don't think he thinks that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't look like it, man. Why not? Happy Labor Day, mother and dad, mom and dad. They're uh, in the chat there. So uh -huh. hello, mom. Happy Labor Day. Yeah, so actually, uh, that kind of just follow up is I was going to ask um what the dog collar match because a lot of people wrestlers don't do it that much. How dangerous is that match? Because possibly get choked and get your neck it, yanked. It out. is. It is very complicated because it's a l very long form object that gets tied up in your feet, and going through like going in and out of the ring is very complicated, and usually cumbersome because you have to both go through the same rope right if he throws me over the top rope well then he has to go over the top rope to get out and come get me if i go through the middle rope he has to go through the middle rope and vice versa um 
one of the, one of the spots in the match was we ended up on the opposite side of the turnbuckle on the outside. So we had a tug mm-hmm. of war and I believe I won, but he ended up eating the turnbuckle face first, you know, cause it, it's, it's strapped. I have a huge neck by the way. So we had to cut holes in the dog collar just to get, just so he could fit around and not choke me to death. Um, but it's also that thing where you're getting yanked around by your head. You know what I mean? Like in the human body, where your head goes, your body goes. Mm-hmm. And if I'm walking this way and he yanks my head that way, well then guess what direction I'm now walking. Right. So <laughs> they're, they're very, very challenging. I've, I've been in a handful. Um, I was in one at PCW that, that out the gate. And I think it was similar to what Jeremiah did. He started the match and he yanked me in and smoked me in the face with the chain right out the gate. So I start the match bleeding and, um, once once it gets into your eyes, that's the part of wrestling people don't get is when you bleed. One, it's well with me, it's always real. <laughs> I don't bleed them. You know, if I'm gonna bleed, I'm gonna do it the old the old fashioned way. But yep. once it gets in your eyes, it kind of congeals in your eyes, and and it makes it really hard to see. And all you see is like red tinted images. But so you mean to tell me you don't bleed like John Moxley bleeds, or those guys bleed up there in AEW? Well, I, I don't use blood capsules. <laughs> so, so if you see blood from me, it's real. I mean, it's coming from my nose, my eye, um, my head. It's it's my blood. It's not ketchup, and it's not a capsule. And if hey, I'm Kim. spitting out blood, that means somebody's in trouble because you broke something inside me, and now I'm really pissed. <laughs> yeah. I, I, saw, I, was, I know what you're talking about, that tug of war you had on the outside between a turnbuckle, and you did win that, and he did go face first in that turnbuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the record, uh, <laughs> if you're watching, you went through the turnbuckle. So um, so you got, you, you've got you been all over the place. I live in Florida. I, I In the panhandle, I've um, had the opportunity to uh, go see and do work with XIW, Extreme Impact Wrestling. Adrian Whisper. Um, there's a couple guys that I noticed that you had opportunities to wrestle with that I know personally. Uh, two that I really know personally is Vordell Walker and Damian Wayne. Yep. So um, Damian Wayne is an amazing guy. Uh, just retired. He said it called a retirement. So what kind of interact? And Chase Stevens is another one. I noticed that you did some stuff with. What were those? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're pretty decent dudes. What were your interactions like with those guys? Uh, well, I'd say all, all three of them are legitimate bad days. Um, uh, Vardell Walker and Chase Stevens are legitimate tough guys that you wouldn't want to fight anywhere in the world at any time, right? Yeah. Um, my interaction with Vardell is every time I've ever been on a show, I show up and the first question I ask is, especially if I'm in a tag team, is he on my team? <laughs> and the answer has always been yes. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, he is. Um, he's a bad I, dude. Oh my gosh. Um, Tim Storm, who's my best friend in the whole world, former NWA world champion, um, commentator, and and you know, he wrestled on the 75th anniversary. And unfortunately, it was kind of a rough night, but um, he is doing good if anybody wants to know. But uh, I watched Vardell knock the inside of Tim Muth out from a forearm like he hit him so hard on the outside that it broke his tooth vertically and and the inside of his tooth flew out of his mouth so he didn't break his tooth like he didn't chip it he literally knocked the inside of it out um 
<laughs> every time you wrestle Vardell, it is a hundred miles an hour and he's going to hit you and he's going to hit you really hard. And you either better hit him hard back or just accept that you're just going to get the crap kicked out of you <laughs> for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, Chase Stevens and I have had some incredible matches. Um, that's kind of the same thing, you know, like I threw a punch and I, I thought I, I thought it got him pretty good. And he just smiled at me. It was like, is that the best you got? And I was like, apparently not. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to have to hit you harder, but, uh, no, all, all three of those guys are, are incredible. I would put them up against anybody, um, anywhere, both, both professionally, you know, professional wrestling wise, they're incredibly talented, um, and then secondarily, you know, just, you know, if you meet him in the back, if you beat him in a dark alley, you're probably going to lose is, is what I would say. <laughs> just, just go ahead and be done. No, just it, lay it, down. It, you're right. And I, I've had, I've been in the presence of those guys and I wouldn't mess with either one, but I will say this at the end of the day, with the fans, they're amazing people. Well, and, and, and I would say beyond that, they're, they're, they're genuinely nice guys Yes. in, in real life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Rico. So, well, you talked about um, when you just watched Saturday night or Saturday night main event. So who would you say probably was your most influential wrestler at that time that you were watching? Uh, when I was a kid, it was definitely Hulk Hogan. Um, Hulk. As, as I grew, um, I really, you know, I was a, I was a big Macho Man fan. Um, Shawn Michaels, especially later in his career, is kind of like my go-to guy. If you want to know how to sell, how to how to tell a story, how to get the crowd to completely 100% believe what's happening, watch Shawn Michaels. Um, Eddie Guerrero, that you know, the kind of the kind of the middle um, sized guys because I was, you know, I'm six foot now. I'm, I'm heavier than I, I I was, you know, obviously in the beginning of my career, but I'm six foot tall, so I always consider myself to be kind of a kind of a tweener, kind of a mid sized guy. In reality, I'm bigger than most men, but um, I really, I loved uh, Chris Benoit. I loved his style. I loved his intensity. Um, like I said, I really got into Japanese wrestling. So I had the the Super J Cup from, oh man, 86 to 97. <laughs> I like 10 years of Super J Cup. And uh, we would travel on CWF shows and we had a cooler. It was a 15-passer van. We had a cooler and I bought a 13-inch TV VCR. And we figured out how to, how to rig it so we could get power to it. And uh, I drove from 12 midnight to 8 a.m. That was, that was I don't know why, but that was kind of my designated time. Well, everybody else slept. Literally everybody else slept. Um, I don't think they ever realized that the only way I stayed awake was tilting the seat back and watching Japanese wrestling. <laughs> While I drove down the road at 80 miles an hour pulling a trailer. But... Um, you know, Chris Benoit was Pegasus Kid. Eddie Guerrero was Tiger Mask or Black Tiger. Uh, Chris Jericho came over as Lionheart. Uh, but those guys in the Japanese style were just amazing. And and their intensity and the speed at which they did things. It wasn't that they went fast, right? But when when they would throw a back elbow, it was it was lightning fast. And there's suplexes and all that stuff. And so as I got older and came into wrestling, you know, I was, you know, I, I got his wrestling right as, you know, kind of the NWO Monday night wars kind of came to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. um, that was a, 
an epic time of professional wrestling, the Monday Night Wars with NWO and WCW versus, you know, Monday Night Raw and, and you know, the pre-recorded versus the live. And, oh, we're going to go ahead and tell you the main event. And, you know, I mean, that was, you know, maybe if we could go back in time, we might might do it all differently. But, um, but I, you know, it's, I, I just, I, I, I take, I take things from everybody. Uh, Triple H, um, you know, in his heyday, um, you could, you could probably draw some, some pretty strong co- comparisons um, to our styles, but, um, you know, I just try to blend as much as I can. I, I, I love the Japanese style. I love the Japanese culture um, and, and their, their adoration for professional wrestling. Um, I, Mm-hmm. You know, I living in Dallas with the Von Ericks and the Sportatorium, you know, every Sunday morning it was in the sports page who won Saturday night at the Sportatorium. I mean, it was legitimate. It was, it was viewed and reported as, as sports. And, and what we do is, is very athletic and it's very real. Um, it, but it is entertainment. So it's, it's, you know, somewhat predetermined, but if you piss me off, you know, you can ask anybody in the CWF locker room. If you if I don't want you to win, if I don't want you to pin me, you're not going to pin me, and you won't knock me out because that's impossible. Like, you might knock me down, but you won't knock me out. And if I get up, I, I will hurt you. Yeah. So, what's your any long term goals or, or aspirations for your future of wrestling? Is it CW, <laughs> is it CWF? Or are you going to branch out a little bit still? Um, you know, I don't have any 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 thoughts of leaving BIW um, anytime soon? Like I said, I'm, I'm already booked um, all the way through 2024. I think he has 17 or 18 shows booked in 2024. Um, I wrestle locally. I mean, I, it's ironic. I don't wrestle in Texas very much anymore, but I wrestle a lot, a lot of Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas. Um, I'll probably end up going to Oklahoma um, some this, this coming year. Um, but the CWF was where I started and the CWF will be where I end. Um, I am very excited about what's coming for the CWF. I mean, 23 years. Um, I, I, I want to, I don't even know what the number is. I think we're at like, we're, we're well over a thousand shows. Um, we've had 120, you know, thousand give or take, uh, professions of faith at our shows. And those have, from the very beginning, it's been run on a shoestring budget and, uh, I, I I believe that there's some monetary backing coming soon to the CWF that's going to allow it to to elevate to a whole different level. Um, and I, I could very easily see the CWF traveling all over the country, all over the world, for that fact, um, sharing the gospel at a very high level and and reaching not, not tens of thousands, but tens of millions. And um, I just want to be a part of it as long as I can. I mean, my body is is broken. I, I don't call myself old, but my body is broken. But until I can't do it anymore, I'm going to continue to do it. And then even after I can't do it, I'll, I'll still be a part of it somehow. Nice, nice. Um, did I read right that you were dabbed in some MLW? Yes. So um, I got connected to, with them, oh gosh, five or six years ago. I've, I became good friends with the with the, the booker. Um, I've, I've helped them locally here when they're in town. Um, there was a, there was a possibility of me signing a contract, but I, I have small children. I have a 10 year old. Well, she just turned 11 last Friday. Um, and I have a six year old. 
Um, so my my primary my my primary focus and goal is my family and my children. Right. Um, actually, realized a couple of years ago on a CWF trip um, that my daughter was nine and she was about to turn ten, and uh, every time I would say that, it would kind of twinge my my heart a little bit, and I couldn't figure out what the twinge was, and I realized that. I didn't have a problem with her being nine, but when I would say the word 10, my brain would immediately translate that into a decade, mm. which made me feel old. But then another decade, she would be in college. And I just had this really weird epiphany that I have a very limited time with my children right. and I'm going to spend as much time as I can with them. I've changed my, my professional career. Um, I work from home now and um, my, my goal is to spend as much time with them as I can my oldest daughter is getting old enough to where I would feel comfortable her traveling with me a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I travel a lot. I mean, Brookhaven is eight hours one way. So it's 16 hours minimum in a car, four or five hours at the show, you know, eating trash at a, I mean, not trash, but you know, eating at a truck, you know, truck stop somewhere in the middle of nowhere at two o'clock in the morning. Um, but I want my kids to travel with me. They, they love watching the wrestling. They, they really enjoy it. Um, so I'm going to, I don't know what my future holds and, and that's, maybe that's the key or that's the failure. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just going to go, go where the opportunity presents itself. So are there any specific Bible verses or teachings that inspire you as a wrestler? Um, and how did that, how did those impact your career? Um, I, I don't know if it ever correlated directly to the wrestling side of it. I mean, there's the, the, the verse where, um, Oh my gosh, that is for his name, where, where he wrestled with the spirit, you know, and he's dislocated his hip. I've had my hip dislocated. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. So I can relate to that. Um, I think, you know, the scripture is pretty, pretty, pretty specific where it says, do not, do not be afraid, right? 365 times in the Bible, it, it says, you know, do not fear or do not be afraid. And I've lived my entire life kind of with that motto, you know, like I just, I, I all out or get out. I, I don't know any other way to do anything in life. And that's the good things and the bad things. It's, it's all in or all out. Right. And right, yeah. so wrestling for me has always been that way. Um, it's just all of me. And I've just trusted that, that in most instances that God would just protect me, you know, and I, I have been injured. I've, I broke my neck three times. I mean, I, my neck was, my C6 vertebrae, my bottom vertebrae, my neck was broken all of 2023 or all of 2022. Um, I continued to wrestle. I never stopped. Um, but um, I just, I've always trusted that, you know, if I'm doing it for the right reasons and God will protect me. Um, right. Doesn't mean I don't get hurt because accidents happen. But right. um, my verses that I really latch on to now are, you know, really Genesis 1 where it says, you know, um, we were, we were made in, in his image or their image. We're made in God's image. Right. And then when Jesus, uh, rose after being crucified on the cross, he, you know, he rose three days later, he rose again to defeat death and defeat Satan, to defeat the enemy once and for all. He said he would leave us a comforter and that comforter is the Holy spirit. So in Genesis, God tells us that we're made in his image. And then in the new Testament, Jesus says he is leaving us a comforter in the form of the Holy spirit that dwells within us. So I'm made in God's image. We're all made in God's image. And once I accept the gift of, of the death of the resurrection of Christ for my sins, 
right. then the Holy Spirit lives in, within me. And so those verses are, are the, that concept is really what drives me and what motivates me and what pushes me in my everyday life. I'm made in God's image. He dwells within me. So, and Jesus told the disciples in the upper room before he ascended that they would go and do even greater things than he did and he being Jesus. Right. And my question is not what did Jesus do? Because Jesus did lots. He changed water to wine. He made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, the lame to walk. Um, he cured the, you know, the, the, the child with you know epilepsy. Um, he drove the demons out into the pigs. He raised the dead, right? right. Moses, come forth. <laughs> you know, that's after Jesus wept. But Moses, come forth. And Moses comes walking out of the tomb, right? My, my question is not what did Jesus do? My question is what did Jesus not do? Jesus did everything and being made in his image, God dwelling within me and me accepting the gift of, of, of salvation. I, I can go and do all things in the sight of man. I can do all things in the sight of God. And, and that is what drives me. And that's my message for, for the masses is that in essence, we've kind of been lied to, you know, our whole lives. We've kind of been told like, you know, we're just lowly, you know, dregs of the earth. And if it, you know, if it wasn't for the grace of God, we would have nothing. Well, yes, that, that's true, but that's not where it ends, right? I mean, that's where it right. begins. Once you accept mm -hmm. the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are a new creature, a new creation. Absolutely. And that new creature, that new creation is unlimited. You can do anything you want to do. And that's what I want people to see. I want people to see that we are not limited by what we think we can do or what we believe we can do or what some jack wagon in third grade said we could or couldn't do. Right. right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you got kids. Um, <laughs> it's what, what I can do all things I can do all, I can do all things through he strengthens me. Absolutely. There's nothing that I cannot accomplish in this life. None. That's the message that I want to see that we have to spread. That's the message that I want to spread as I go out into these other independent companies and I wrestle and I interact with the kids. That's one thing I take great pride in is I will stay and I will sign auto every autograph and I'll take a picture. And I don't, you know, like when I have merchandise, I have shirts and I have pictures. If you want one, great. I'll sell it to you. But, but if you want to take a picture with your phone, I'm not going to charge you five bucks or 10 bucks. You can take a hundred pictures. I don't care. Um, but, but that's also something that, you know, that connecting with the crowd, some of these little towns we go to, this is going to sound possibly egotistical, but I might be the most famous person that they ever meet. And that, and that's, that's not because I'm famous. It's because I got put on a pedestal inside of a ring with shining lights and smoke and some cool music. Mm -hmm. And I might be the most famous person that they get to meet, right? Maybe ever in their lives. And if I act like a jerk, well, then what does that tell them about life? What does it tell them about their, their idols and their icons, right? I, I've had the, the pleasure and the misfortune of meeting some of my icons or my my idols, both in wrestling and in the sports world and in the real world. And most of the time, they disappoint me. I, I refuse to be that disappointment. Um, and so I, I just take great pride in that. Awesome. Thanks and for sharing say, that. Sorry, guys, man. My internet, for some reason, just crashed. Nope, it happens all the time, man. <laughs> well, I work for Spectrum. So <laughs> I was sitting yeah. downstairs and I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> so, to piggyback off of that, just what you said, can you share any memorable moments or experiences when you seen 
Because I know, because that is CWF. One of the things I love about CWF is at the end where they, um, where you guys um, pray for people to bring the gospel. And is there been any memorable moments where you have seen a positive change in um, in just one person? Oh, um, well, I'll tell you the two greatest. Yeah. Both of my daughters have been saved and accepted Christ, not at the behest of me, but because they come to CWF shows. Um, Thanksgiving two years ago, uh, my oldest daughter putting her to bed. Monday nights is the only night that I don't put my daughters to bed. And putting her to bed at Thanksgiving, she said, "Dad, can we can we do that thing that you guys do at the show?" <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Yes." What thing are we talking about? <laughs> you know. And, um, she was like, "You know, where you pray? I, I, I want. I don't want to question anymore. I want to know that Jesus lives in my heart." And I was like, "Oh." you want to pray to receive Christ and like, you know, like you want to surrender and get saved. And she said, yeah, yeah. The thing that you guys do at the end of the shows. And I said, you know, and I, I backed up, right. Cause I, I have not pushed my children. I've tried to be a role model and an example, but I've not pushed that on them because I want it to be their choice. And I said, well, tell me why, like what, what, what's going on? What are you thinking? And she just, she listened to JT preach and she listened to Fitz preach and she, you know, she listened to, she listened to me preach. Um, and she said, well, she said, I just understand. I understand that God loves me, that as I get older, I'm going to, you know, there's, I'm, I'm not always going to make the right choices. And, and, and I just, I want to be, I want to be his child. I want to be his, I want to know. And I was like, absolutely. So we prayed to receive Christ. Right? Um, about six months later, eight months later, my youngest daughter said the same thing. Dad, can we do the thing you guys do at the end of the show? Um, so both of my daughters have gotten saved because of CWF. My wife got saved because of Chris Allman, our angel, uh, preaching at a show 19 years ago. <laughs> and that was actually what I was waiting on to propose to her because I, I wasn't sure on her salvation. Um, she's a great woman and, you know, she's very honest and, and upstanding and, and, you know, rooted in, in all the good things of life. But, but she had not, she didn't grow up religious. She didn't grow up in the church. So she never really had that, that, that moment. And we were driving to a, another person's wedding. And, and I was like, well, you know, I just, I just really want to make sure that we're both on the same page. And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, like I accepted Christ on this date, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, Oh, well, I did that at the show that Chris preached at a couple weeks ago. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. so my wife accepted Christ at the CWF show. Both of my children are saved and going to heaven for eternity because of CWF. Um, so right there, those are the three that are the most important to me. But Absolutely. Um, I mean, I've literally watched lives change in front of my eyes at, at shows and, and I've watched kids break down and, and just release all of the, the, the uh, some people might call them demons, but just all the trash that comes from being, inundated with mainstream media and parents that are divorced and, and bickering and fighting and, and just break down and just confess all, you know, not confess it, but just let it go. And, and you can see, you can see the light change in their face, right? You can see like, Oh, they get it. Right. Um, we had a show just a couple of months ago at a cowboy church here in outside of Dallas. And a uh, little girl walked up and said, uh, I, I want to get baptized. I just got, I just got, I just accepted Christ. I want to get baptized. And I like looked up on the stage and there was a baptism up on the stage. I go, does that have water in it? 
and and the the pre you know the the director of the church goes absolutely it's warmed up let's go so we baptized children right there like so at That's the show awesome. like that was my first we actually baptized two two children that that night at that show that had happened at some of our other shows um i just wasn't there um i've seen you know marriages be be rectified and healed at our shows with parents um I've seen whole families come to, to to know the Lord at our shows. I mean, it's you name it, I've seen it, and and it is it is that's why this is so awesome, and that's why this is going to get bigger because now more than ever in the world, there's a need for faith, and there's a need for the truth. And the truth is, it's not about the four walls. It's not about the church you go to. It's not about the the, the preacher or minister male, female, whoever stands up on a pulpit and tells you what God wants you to hear. It is, do you have a personal relationship? I, I am constantly in a state of prayer with my, with my creator, with my God and my father and my savior. Even when I'm doing things, you know, even when I make a decision where I, oh man, I, I or maybe I slipped and said a cuss word or, or something like we, I've, I've done away with all the rules of church that those don't exist in my world anymore. I don't give two rips what kind of clothes you wear. I don't care if you live at, you know, live on the streets, you live in a mansion. If you want to come hear the gospel, you're welcome. Come on in because it doesn't matter. It doesn't, the walls aren't the church. The preacher is not the church. We are the church. We, the people are the church. And if two or more gather, he is there. Mm -hmm. What's ironic is I said, we're made in God's image and God dwells within us. There are always two. (laughs) <laughs> there's me and the Holy Spirit Absolutely. so wherever I am two or more are gathered he is there right <laughs> and if exactly. we get more believers to come together then that power just it, it doesn't double it yeah. it quadruples Absolutely. and quintuples yeah. and uh, that's that's what I want to see come to to the world because the world is hurting the the world sucks right now to be honest with you in a geopolitical yes. stance and and it, it's not just the United States is all over the world Mm -hmm. and people are searching for that higher power. They're searching for something to latch onto and to hold onto. And that something is the creator. That's the answer. He is the answer. That's right. Amen. Amen. Um, You got anything Rico? The question I was going to ask before I got booted (laughs) off was, you know, in in wrestling, you always have somebody, uh, 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 comic who always wants to try try to get somebody to break character do you guys have that <laughs> somebody is always trying to get you to break character um yeah i mean my my pet peeve in modern wrestling is the fans wanting to be a part of the show um one of the things that i love about southern wrestling biw cwf um uh, texoma pro um some of the other companies that are down in the south is for the most part, the fans just want to be entertained, right? They, they just want, mm-hmm. they want old school smash mouth. You punch him in the face. He punches you in the face and see who's left standing wrestling. And that I love. Um, I'm not a fan of what I call East coast wrestling, where the fans are right there on the ring and they're pounding on the ring and they're calling out the spots and, and they, you know, these guys do incredibly amazing things. I mean, Ricochet and and all those guys, they do things that I could never have done in my prime. But the fans, 
are programmed to cheer when they stop moving. They're not programmed to actually engage with what's happening, right? Mm -hmm. And wrestling, the art of wrestling is telling a story and yep. getting the fans to believe and to, to be transfixed into the story. If I'm the good guy and I'm getting the crap kicked out of me by three or four bad guys, the, the story is, can I overcome? Can I keep fighting? Can I find that window that, that, that can they slip up where I get the, you know, the, the, the roll up one, two, three, boom. And I win. And I, I overcome unsurmountable odds. If I'm the bad guy, how dastardly can I get? Right. I mean, how, how, how far can I push the envelope before I get disqualified to, to make the fans hate me, but also try to get that belt, try to get that win. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I am not a fan, you know, when they say the one fall, one fall, I hate it. I, I, I hate like, every, <laughs> and, and, you know, and some of our announcers do it and I, I just want to punch them in the gut every time, like stop <laughs> doing that. Right. Like your job is to announce, go out there, announce the show. Right. Yeah. Um, I heard Jim Ross say yesterday on an interview I was listening, the the announcer's job and the commentator's job is to get the talent over, not to get not to get themselves over. What that means is all the focus is on the wrestlers, because the wrestlers are the ones telling the story, right? Um, so do I have that? Yeah, I I I I freaking love professional wrestling, and I I was paralyzed. I got injured, boo man, back in two thousand and. 2005, 2004, 2005, I, I took a brain buster and dropped straight on my head and twisted my neck, twisted my back, and it turned everything off for about 10 hours. <laughs> mm. When I mean everything, I mean everything. From the neck down, couldn't move, couldn't feel. They were taking, you know, two-inch long needles and pushing them into my arms and my legs and my feet to see if I could, like, if I reacted at all. I couldn't feel anything. And God's grace, you know, it all kind of like a computer kind of like kind of like your wi-fi router like you just you reboot it and it takes a little <laughs> bit of time but then it kicks back on and it works yeah. perfectly right yeah. that's basically what happened to my body is my body just turned off and it took a little time for it to reboot itself um and some physical therapy and stuff like that but um i am so blessed every time i get to wrestle that i i, I started smiling in the ring like i smile on the entrance <laughs> and smile in the ring at the time, I was a bad guy, right? Well, I kind of came back as a good guy, but but they were like, oh, man, APOC must really like beating people up because he just won't stop smiling. I freaking love wrestling. And if you get a fan, like if, if a fan interacts, that's different, right? If you get a heckler right. that's just trying to interrupt the show or interrupt or prove that they know what's coming next, uh, well, whatever you call, I'm doing the opposite of. So you call my match and – you're going to get a really awkward match because if you call a clothesline, I'm going to kick him in the face. I just, I love wrestling. I love it with all my heart. Um, it's, it's something that God gifted me the ability to do. And I, I was built for this. It's kind of like Mick Foley. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I was built to get beat up. That's, that's, I'm in more pain on a daily basis than most people will ever experience in their life. But to me, that's just normal. That's just how my body functions. And, and I absolutely love it. Awesome. awesome, man. <laughs> so I know we're getting running short on time. And um, so uh, can you briefly share some stories? I know AJ Styles has been with CWF a little bit. And then there's a Shawn Michaels story you told off air. Could you like revamp that a little bit? Sure. And share that. Um, 
Yeah, we we've had we've been, we've been so blessed, you know, with the CWF. Dr. Death, Steve Williams toured with us for for a, a couple of years before he got real sick, and before his unfortunate you know passing. Uh, the Road Warriors, both Animal and Hawk, wrestled for us um, like four months before Hawk passed away. Um, I worked with Animal at TSW uh, for six months. Well, shoot, almost a year. Um, I saw him the Saturday before he passed away. Um, Dr. Death, the Road Warriors, um, AJ Styles traveled with us for a long time, for, for several years. I've wrestled AJ hundreds of times. I wrestled AJ Styles the night after my first wedding. Uh, he was a groomsman at my first wedding, and we wrestled the next night. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, before I went on my honeymoon. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of some of those. We've, we, I mean, Tarver, um, we, we, you know, just recently we've had a slew of, of really talented people you know, men and women, well, not women, but men from, you know, NWA, uh, Impact, um, MLW, you know, I mean, just all over, you know, as a gunner have filtered in through the, through the Christian Wrestling Federation because they're Christian men and they want to be a part of something right. great, you know. Um, I, I wish I knew what year it was. It was, I would guess, 2007, 2008, maybe, maybe a little later, 2010. Um, Shawn Michaels had gotten saved. Uh, it was probably later than that, 2012, maybe. Shawn Michaels had gotten saved, uh, accepted Christ, and, and turned his life around. He had just come back to 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 not even quite full time wrestling, uh, but he was back on TV. and And we got invited to bring our ring <laughs> to a, a a huge youth convention at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. <coughs> it was in the basketball arena there in campus and it was stacked all the way to the top with kids. And then the floor was full all the way up to the stage. And the ring was right off the stage, off to the side. And uh, the theme of the, the the event was wrestling, you know, wrestling with your faith or wrestling, you know, wrestling uh, with God or something like that. And they were bringing Shawn Michaels in as kind of like a keynote speaker to share his testimony. And so they contacted us. Uh, we drove up there, you know, we drove, whatever, eight hours, nine hours to, to Knoxville. We set up the ring and we sit in the green room with Sean Marcus for like eight hours <laughs> and away for our spot. Right. And, uh, the, the, the pastor wanted to do this thing where Tim and I were like the demons and we were kind of stalking him and, you know, and kind of prowling and kind of getting in his face. And, and he was like, sometimes you just got to put your hand up and you just got to yell, God, I need help. I need a partner. I need a tag partner. And then Sean's music hits. And he rides down on a Harley. Interesting point. First time he'd ever, ever been on a motorcycle, ever. Right. <laughs> and he's riding, right. a, riding a Harley down through, you know, 30,000 kids. Parks the bike, gets out, gets up on the edge of the ring, and he puts his hands out. And the, and the minister's doing his thing, and Tim and I are stalking around him. And he's like, you know, sometimes you just need to tag in the expert. He tags in Shawn Michaels. This is not a CWF event. This wasn't a WWE event. This is just a a Christian conference that we were mm -hmm. blessed to be a part of. And uh, Tim and I freak out. We freak out when you hear the music. Uh, plus I was literally freaking out inside because Sean Michaels is like the guy to me. Right. Um, and we circle up and, and I come running and Sean gives me a backdrop and turns and punches Tim. And I feed around and he picks me up and scoop slams me and punches Tim. And we circle around together and he gives us the double bip, uh, which I, I would have thought was a clothesline, but he really just punched us both in the nose. 
broke my nose and he gave Tim a bloody nose. Um, but that's, I think that was his, I don't know who you guys are. <laughs> so, uh, Hey, I'm Sean Michaels. Um, and then Tim, Tim circled up for the super kick and I circled up and I took Sean Michaels super kick smack dab in the middle of the ring. Bam, laying flat on my back. They had pyros, which none of us knew about. So our camera guy literally almost got blown up because like it blew up. Like you see the camera and you just see this huge flame of light. And then he like rocks like three feet to the side. Um, mm. So pyros go off. 30,000 kids scream at the top of their lungs. And I was on the opposite side of the stadium when this started. And somehow they changed it between when I left. <laughs> and so I was told we were supposed to lay in the ring. They were going to do the, the little interview thing and then they would get out and whatever. Well, they changed it to where we roll out of the ring. So I took super kicks. Perfect. I mean, <coughs> I have the picture foot, face, you know, my cheek moving. Um, and I just laid there for 10 minutes while Shawn Michaels did an interview standing right over me. <laughs> and, uh, and I just like, all that I kept thinking was, I'm pretty sure I was supposed to move, but if I move now, it'll be awkward. You know, right? Right. cause it'll draw everybody's attention. So I was just like, soak it in brother. Just soak it in, man. There's 30,000 kids <laughs> that just watch you take a super kick from Shawn Michaels. Soak it in. Nice, <laughs> so nice. I just yes. laid there like a dead frog for oh, 10 or 15 minutes, and then they got out of the ring, and then I rolled out of the ring. No. But, uh, yeah, that's 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 one of the, ape, the, the apexes of my career. And nice. It wasn't even a real wrestling match, but, by God, I took a super kick from Shawn Michaels. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Rico, do you have anything else um, before I we wind down? No. No, I just want to thank, say thank you so much, man, for everything you guys have been doing and just continue to do. And we really hope we get to see you next year, but we will see. <laughs> oh, you will. You will. Uh, um, we, we In our first two years, we went to Florida like seven times. Like there, there was one summer, the second year we were, so 2000 and I guess the summer of 2001, we went coast to coast seven times in one summer. So we went from Texas to Florida, back to Texas, to Colorado, to California, to Texas, back to Florida, up to Pennsylvania, up to Buffalo, back to Texas, up to Oregon, down to Northern Colorado, California, back to Texas, down to Houston, back to Dallas, and then back to Florida one more time. Like it was crazy, but it was it was a fun summer. Well, let's make another trip to Knoxville. Heck yeah, buddy. Um, guys, I, I'm, I'm man, I'd love to come back and do this anytime. I can talk for days about wrestling in general, but <laughs> right. um, talk about CWF, talk about independent wrestling, talk about Tim Storm. I can talk for hours about Tim Storm myself. Well, uh, wanna... he's, he's, he's my hero, and he's he is quite literally one of the greatest men I've ever known in my life. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, man. I know that there's Bible study gonna happen here in a few minutes. Yeah. Um, I thank you for everything. I like I told uh, I tell this story. Um, my wife and I do foster care. And so I, this hour, hour and a 15 minutes that I get to talk to people like you and hang with Rico and talk wrestling with Rico. It's almost like a self-care moment. I can forget about everything in my, that happened in, in the real world for at least that hour and a half, you know, and I, you know, I know it's still there, you know, and I, I want to thank CWF because I'm sure, uh, um, Jared, JT has shared prayer requests. Um, 
keep my mom in her prayers. Uh, the doctor says eight months. I know I, my, my God's bigger than that. You know, she, uh, I shall just say this real quick. I wish I, she, she went to bed, but I, 10 years ago, she, uh, had one lung removed from lung cancer. And, um, 10 years ago, they said she'd only have four years to live 10 years later. Now we're talking about the cancer again. So she beat it the first time. Um, I believe that, you know, we're going up there this, uh, this weekend. This isn't the last time I'm going to see my mom. You know, that's what it won't, Amen. you know, prayer. Um, I had prayer for my wife and I, we lost a child, uh, 28, 30 years ago, I guess. Um, the month of August is rough, but, uh, we got through it with the, the prayers and our, you know, our relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, so good. Um, but anyways, I John, thank you so much for everything. Um, Rico, thank you for uh, being part of the huge pop wrestling podcast. Uh, I just love thank Monday you. nights. I love CWF and just, it's, a lot, it's just amazing things. So um, I just appreciate your time. I'm going to play the ex exit song. And um, if you just would hang tight real quick, um, I'll sure. talk to you a little bit. And I'll tell you real quick, every time I get in the ring, I have that same thought. The, the 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes that I wrestle, from uh -huh. the time my music hits and I walk through the curtain to the time I walk back through the curtain, that is my happy place. Yeah. And I love my family. I love my children. I love yeah. my wife. I yeah. love I love the CWF, but that is my happy place. Even yeah. though I get the crap kicked out of me <laughs> most of the time, yeah. that is my happy place. So I I, I resonate 100% with you, brother. Awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys a lot. Thank you, Spot Pressing Podcast um, people. Thank you, guys. I uh, appreciate you guys. Um, love you guys, and uh, be blessed. Extreme.